So I've been thinking a lot about Easter. We're in the season of Eastertide. We should be. Um, but I've been thinking a lot about my Easter's growing up. So when I was a kid, uh, Easter was definitely a really special thing for our family. We're on my dad's side of the family. We're Italian. And so Easter was a really big thing for, for my dad's side of the family was Roman Catholic. And, and so Easter was naturally a big liturgical holiday, but also just kind of in the way that we would celebrate it. Um, we would drive up to my great aunt's house in Sonoma and there would be kind of a veritable feast, right? You'd like every quintessential Italian dish you could imagine was there present, making an appearance on the red carpet. And um, there'd be great food and great conversation and, and recounting of stories and joyfulness and celebration. Um, lots of games of bocce ball as well. If you've ever played bocce ball, that's, that's, that's about as Italian as it gets, I think. Um, of course, this, her lawn was so uneven, it was kind of like an off-road version of bocce ball. It was like extreme bocce ball. Um, and, 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 you know, for me, I was a little kid, so most of the time my highlights involved chocolate rabbits and playing Tetris on my great aunt Super Nintendo. She was strangely really into Tetris for someone her age. Um, and that was it. <laughs> that was Easter for me as a kid. Um, we'd make the trek back from Sonoma, back to the Bay Area, and the next day I'd be back at school you know, talking about Pokemon with my friends or whatever we were doing. And it was kind of as though nothing had happened. We were just kind of back to the, the usual thing. Of course, as I got older, uh, Easter began to take on kind of a different vibe and a different feel for me. It became much more clarified. And I would say it became an intentional practice. Um, it became about really the real centerpiece for Easter, which is the resurrection. It's about the resurrection, the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross and the defeat of death. And so in our tradition, and in many other Christian traditions, um, we do live out that Easter reality for 50 days. And, um, you know, it's not something that just happens on one Sunday. Uh, it was not just one afternoon with relatives. We um, are, are going to be in a season of Eastertide. And I actually think that we really need to consider that just for a second. Um, there is an intention and a purpose behind why we spend time moving through certain seasons the way that we do, moving through scripture the way that we do. Um, we explore and we anticipate certain ideas or concepts when we're in a specific season. And with Easter, with Easter tide, we have some very specific things that we anticipate and look forward to. But the liturgical calendar actually gives us a chance to remember and rehearse. It gives us a chance to remember and rehearse. And actually stopping and rehearsing and remembering is, is not some new idea that the church came up with. It's an ancient biblical idea. In the book of Deuteronomy, before the Israelites crossed the River Jordan into the promised land, Moses, he takes the Israelites and he sits them down and he recounts all that God did for them. Their rescue from slavery, their escape from Pharaoh's army, their wandering in the desert, but more importantly, how God provided for them. It was important for the Israelites to rehearse and remember these things because... As we saw and we see in Scripture, human habit means that we forget and we fall back to our old ways. And so for me as a musician, this idea of rehearsal is a really resonant one for me. Uh, because when you rehearse something, you re-explore it, you replay and you re-sing those important songs to get back to them, to get them back into your flesh and your bones. You refocus yourself on compositions that are important or meaningful because we are fallible creatures. We forget, and after a time, you can get rusty, and you kind of, it just falls out of your hands, as some musicians would say. I actually once heard a very accomplished musician say that um, if you miss a day of playing your instrument, when you come back to it, your instrument will say, I don't know you. 
pretty brutal. So there's something really actually deep and relational about remembering and rehearsing because it grounds us and it roots us in whatever it is that we do. And it makes us familiar again. It makes us known to that thing and we know that thing. So what does Eastertide have to do with, with this idea exactly? I would argue that it's actually a chance to choose into radical rejoicing through the discipline of remembering and rehearsing the resurrection, not just for an hour on Sunday, but for a season of time. We are um, in a season of world history and time that is steeped in tragedy. Um, I actually, when I was putting the sermon together, I actually started listing out all the things that have happened just in the last couple weeks. And I actually decided to erase that out of the sermon because we all know we're living in this reality. We read the news. We see the things that are going on. So it can be really hard with that to center our minds and our hearts on joy or celebration when we are formed uh, by the habits of remembering that remember other things. But that is why I would actually call it radical rejoicing, because it does go against the grain of what we so often are fed. We can choose to despair, but that only leaves us feeling really burnt out and defeated. We can become, to many degrees, what we digest through the conversations we have and the sources of news that we um, that we take in, that we that that are kind of on tap in our daily lives. But when we make a conscious decision to rejoice in the season of Eastertide, it should and can move us to prayer and action and to hope. When we celebrate or rejoice in something, we are engaging with it. When we despair, we simply sit in the shadow of what it is. When we engage with the resurrection, we are fueled not by despair, but by the vibrancy of love and hope and peace. But to do it well, it does require that revisiting, that rehearsal. And that is a discipline that requires some focus and some intention. And so, how do we do that? Well, I want to give us a few ideas for this Eastertide season, and specifically an exercise. So I want to challenge us with this. What would happen if for the next five weeks or so, if every day you wrote down one memory of a time that God blessed you? Or if not a memory, maybe something that you're grateful for that God has provided in your life. Now, this idea, if uh, any of you are, are uh, remembering something that sounds similar, it's, it's called a gratitude journal. <laughs> it's a very popular idea. In fact, actually, there's a psychologist, his name is Robert Emmons. Uh, he's based in here in California, actually. and He's written extensively about this idea. And, and he's even done a little bit of work within a, a faith framework, which is kind of interesting. Um, but his work has shown really interesting things about gratitude journaling. Uh, his work has shown that people who engage in active gratitude, who take time to remember positive experiences, but also spend focused time by being, and being detailed in how they recount these things, these experiences, have actually been noted to sleep better, to feel better, and to have a much more positive outlook on the future. So what I'm suggesting, if I can steal Robert Emmons' idea a little bit, is actually a recentering ourselves on God's history with us. We have a chance to discipline ourselves to be more in tune with the story that God is writing in our lives today. Maybe you can include a time of scripture in this as well. Read it before or after you journal. 
You could pray before or after. You could speak to God about what's coming up for you in those times. You can thank God in prayer for the things that God has done. I also think that this is an especially potent antidote to what I would call sort of the wish fulfillment mode that we get into when we're in prayer, where we kind of find ourselves reading out this laundry list to God at the end of the day, and then five minutes later, you're in bed, and that's the end of it. But with this act of rejoicing and gratitude, God wants to actually make our prayer times more relational with God, and that's something that God wants with us. God wants to be relational with us. In Scripture, two ways that God is often framed is as father and as shepherd, and those are relational roles. So it then beckons us to think about how we can make our rejoicing, our prayer, and our times with God and with each other relational. Celebration is never a solo act. When we think of a party that has just one person, it makes us sad, and rightly so. That's a depressing party, a party of one. When we think of a party full with personalities and human interaction, we see it exactly as what it was intended to be. So, in this season, imagine hosting friends for dinner or a group of friends for a hangout. And the why? Because you want to celebrate and rejoice in what God has done in your life and in the lives of others. This might sound a little hokey. It might sound kind of like a toothpaste commercial. Uh, But it doesn't need to be that at all, actually, because organic and authentic attempts to connect and to gather, again, goes against the grain of what our post-pandemic Bay Area world has become. And I think that can actually be really refreshing and life-giving. And I think God wants to use the church in that way. In a place where we often pull further away from one another, what the season of Eastertide offers us is is a time to coalesce and to actually draw closer together. So I'm going to make a shameless plug for a few things. Uh, we actually have some amazing opportunities to gather together, to rejoice and to draw close to God. So on April 26th, uh, and this, by the way, I just want to be clear, we're still doing the announcements after this, so you're going to hear this again. <laughs> on April 26th in Los Altos, Jared uh, Lucky is actually going to be hosting another pub night, which is a chance to gather around food and drink and have deep conversations about Uh, the big questions of life. And this is not just a chance to flex your brain. It's actually a chance to celebrate the life that we have in Christ together as the church because of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. We have our small groups, which are starting up in this next week. And these are chances to make celebratory life intentional by gathering with others in a midweek setting to discuss scripture and to bear each other's burdens and to make life together a rhythm. And lastly, and kind of the big, big a uh, big event on the horizon is that we have our Iona House Retreat, which is coming up on the weekend of May 19th through the 21st. And we've actually been really blessed to uh, gather at Iona House on their grounds for a solid time away, kind of from the cacophony of the Bay Area. This is a chance not only to seek God, but also to strengthen our relationships together within the context of that shared life in Christ. And again, um, that's been made possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. That very reason, by the way, is why we're here today. Would any of you know anyone sitting next to you if it weren't for that fact? I was thinking about that this week, and I actually, I wouldn't know anyone here if it weren't for what Jesus did on the cross. That is an interesting idea, isn't it? Actually, it's more than interesting. It's very profound, in fact. So in a moment, I'm going to conclude, and um, we'll actually have a time of quiet reflection for a little bit. 
So take a little bit of time to ask God how you can choose into that rejoicing this Eastertide. Whether that's in journaling in the way that I suggested or in gathering with others, or maybe there's something else that God is calling you to in this season that you can engage in and press into. Whatever it is, um, trust that the Holy Spirit is working, working through that. Um, you know, last, last Sunday, um, which is Easter Sunday, I'm remembering now, in my haze of Eastertide uh, craziness, um, after church, I actually got together with some friends, and we just, we gathered, there's a, there's a 24-hour, if you can believe it, 24-hour Indian supermarket in Sunnyvale called Apna Bazaar. It's really great. You should go sometime. Um, it's uh, got great pond, right, Jason? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some, uh, apparently some other people have been there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we, I, we just gathered and we simply, and these two Christian fellows that I'm close friends with, and we just simply gathered and we just recounted stories and we just spent time together. And I have not, I legitimately have not laughed that hard in a very, very long time. I can't tell you any of the stories that we talked about because it's all the bad things we did when we were lapsed teenage Christians, but it was... It was mostly harmless stuff. <laughs> we were high on sugar. That's what it was, yeah. Um, so, you know, that was a real reminder for me that when we gather, when we make rhythms outside of just our Easter Sunday, when we make Easter a season and a rhythm of life, we experience the life of the church. We experience the ability to rejoice and to laugh and to gather together. And I guarantee you that if I had just gone home that night I can do that with Brittany, and I can do that with Odo, although he's, he's kind of a crazy dog, so I don't know if, that would, if we could really recount stories with him. But um, it, it, gives, it gives us the chance to really rehearse life with other people, and I think that that's an important thing. So in this Easter season, may we all rejoice in the gospel. May we all celebrate Easter, not as an hour on one Sunday, but as a season and a lifestyle. May we draw ever closer to one another and ultimately closer to Christ.